You're listening to ReachMDXM 233, the channel for medical professionals. In the past, capital punishment was instituted by either stoning murderers to death, or in Roman times, they fed them to the lines. We wouldn't do that today. We're far more civilized. We use a series of chemicals, which we now have found out may not be rendering criminals unconscious, but they may be paralyzing them while they're still conscious underneath. Have we really evolved in our ethics with our scientific knowledge? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Shira Johnson, your host, and with me today is attorney John Sheldon. John is from the law firm of Divine, Connell, and Sheldon, and he's co-author on a research paper in the April issue of the Public Library of Science, which concludes that death by lethal injection may be causing death by asphyxiation. Prisoners being executed may be conscious and experiencing pain. He's currently litigating several death penalty cases, and he's done much in research into the historical perspective of lethal injection. Thank you for taking the time to talk with us today, John. Sure. Tell us a little bit about the history of execution in this country and, and how we got to where we're at. In the beginning of the country, we used hanging as the most common method of execution. But interestingly enough, the way we got to the electric chair was that Thomas Edison and George Westinghouse were having a dispute about what electrical system should be used. Now, what year was this? This was about the turn of the century, about 1900. Edison wanted to use DC current, Westinghouse AC current. Edison was a capital punishment opponent, but he so wanted his DC system to succeed and Westinghouse's AC system to fail that Edison became involved in promoting these experiments of electrocuting animals to show how, with AC current, to show how dangerous the current was, and so that people would be turned off of Westinghouse's AC current. It was like almost like a traveling circus. Even uh, he electrocuted dogs, cats, and in one case, he even electrocuted an elephant to show how dangerous the AC current was. Sort of inadvertently, through Edison's desire to show how dangerous AC current was, the electric chair came about. The electric chair is still legal in many states, including Virginia, and we've obviously moved to lethal injection in most cases mostly because I believe the gore that is involved in the electric chair. So that is why the electric chair became so unconscionable? Right. There was a few examples, especially out of Florida, where they had trouble with the current making contact with the individual. So they would took to putting a metal cap in Florida on people's head with a sponge between the metal cap and their head. And in one case, fairly recently, late 80s, I believe, the sponge caught on fire, and it was just a, a gory scene. Electrocution is is gory looking anyway with the prospect of getting electrocuted because everybody's got familiarity with electricity. And then seeing the body shake, seeing the burns. And then when it got to the point that people were actually catching fire and burning, despite how much pain or how little pain people were really going through, the vision of the gore was just too much, I think. And I think the public really did want something that both appeared and was more humane. What do they do in other countries where the death penalty is practiced? Well, I'm not too familiar with other countries, but I, China leads in executions, and China uses lethal injection and shooting. Many other countries use lethal injection also. Some countries have shooting, uh, so I believe the, the combination of the two is most prevalent. But in Europe, of course, there is no death penalty. You can't be a member of the European Union if you have the death penalty. It is a requirement 
but you do not have it. As an attorney, do you see a need for a painless death for murderers? And from the research you've done with the faculty at UM, any idea how this might be achieved, or is it still something that needs uh, we're looking at? Well, that's a good question, and it gets exaggerated from by people, especially people who are strong death penalty supporters. Why a painless death? We're not saying a painless death. We're saying a constitutional death. And a constitutional death means no unnecessary suffering. That means you can't have gratuitous pain. You can't have pain that's added to the punishment just for the purpose of the pain. And then the question becomes, when the procedure you're using is so obviously causing pain that you can prevent, isn't it unnecessary? For example, if it would be cheaper and quicker and simpler to kill somebody in another method, and there is no pain, and there is a lot of pain in the current method, that's when we would argue it becomes unconstitutional. The pain is unnecessary. And to be honest, the current regimen of, le of lethal injection, the pain for quite a substantial number of people is tremendous. Not a little bit of pain, it's tremendous pain. And the pain is completely gratuitous. You're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMDXM 233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Shira Johnson, and I'm speaking today with attorney John Sheldon. We're discussing the death penalty execution methods in the United States and also in history. Why hasn't anyone cared about how we execute murderers before now? I mean, the evidence was already there, right? I think people did care. Uh, the Department of Corrections has such a lock hold on the secrecy of what happens, and they have something that's going for them. That is, they successfully kill all of the inmates they're trying to kill. And they have been so secret that we can't, we had trouble discovering what they were doing. Through the hard work of Deborah Denno and a law professor at Fordham, Dr. Mark Heath, an anesthesiologist, and many attorneys for many years, they brought challenges, but they had trouble convincing judges that there was unnecessary, gratuitous pain in executions because the layperson is familiar with putting somebody to sleep, putting an animal to sleep, and that's what it looked like. And this looked like, oh, isn't this another frivolous challenge by the anti-death penalty community? It was only as they made progress, challenge after challenge, gathering more and more evidence, that it became apparent that what they were saying, there was more truth than they even knew to what they were saying, and that it's actually tantamount to torture the way that they are executing people now. And certainly shooting, electrocution, hangings, were less painful and more humane than lethal injection is today. You know, the medical facts are that it's inhumane, but isn't there also superimposed a political agenda between the conservatives who may feel that the death penalty should be imposed and groups like the ACLU who feels that individuals have these rights and that can also be exploited? Well, certainly that what is surrounding the debate is the politics. One just can't ignore the facts. If you are torturing people to death in a gratuitous, complex, painful, unnecessary, expensive way. And I say that because to do it correctly would be cheaper, simpler, and easy to do. Then it's everybody's job to stand up and say, stop doing it. Now, of course, for people who are pro-death penalty, they're going to view this as an attack on the death penalty as a whole. And the legal attacks on lethal injection have, for the great majority of them, they have not been attacks on the death penalty. They have not been attacks saying, you cannot execute me. They've been attacked saying, you cannot execute me via this protocol because it is so clearly involves gratuitous, unnecessary infliction of pain. And I, I understand why death penalty supporters 
view this as simply another tactic. But it's not, and it puts people in a catch-22. If you're torturing people, stand up and say you're torturing people and change the way you're doing it. You know, you said cheaper, so this is a cost factor also? It's not really a cost factor, but some of the Department of Corrections defenses would, would cite cost as a factor. And when I say cheaper, I mean give them an overdose, an overdose of an anesthesia. You're going to save yourself 50 bucks per execution by eliminating, eliminating the potassium chloride and the pancuronium. Yeah, plus we know how to do that very well. Sure. Accidents happen in hospitals all the time. Sure. Wouldn't it be simpler to give one drug rather than three? And give it well. That's right. Do you feel this belongs in the hands of the states? Well, as many things belong in the hands of the states, the um, implementation of the criminal justice system belongs in the hands of the states to a certain extent. The states have that role until they violate the absolute bare minimum protections, what we call the Constitution. They should be implementing the criminal laws, and they should be meeting meeting out the punishment. But they should be doing so with the protections of the federal Constitution. And when they violate the Constitution, that's when the federal government should step in. They have been in almost every state, and they have been doing so willfully and secretly, and it is unfathomable why they have not changed. Some people ask me, if it's so easy, why don't they just change? I can't answer that question. It would be so easy for these states to give an overdose of morphine, an overdose of anesthesia, to bring in somebody with more training, but they haven't done it. It seems like even from a physician's perspective, the morphine would even work without a lot of training. I mean, you can also see some parallels or crossovers to the area of euthanasia and physicians being involved in that. Would you care to comment on that? Sure. Well, a New England Journal of Medicine did a study of doctors and asked these doctors, have you killed your patients? A surprising number, I can't quote the number, but a surprising number of doctors said, yes, I have. And how do you think they did it? Almost all of them through, the, under the guise of pain management, through morphine. Everybody, all doctors are familiar with using morphine as pain management. All doctors are familiar, and anybody who's had a family member die of cancer is familiar with the dilemma of, of managing uh, pain in the end of life with morphine. It's usually called making them comfortable. That's right. And there are many other aspects of morphine that would make it appropriate. For example, I'm not a doctor, and, and perhaps you or somebody else could comment on this, but one of the problems in lethal injection is that oftentimes the needle is not put in a, in a vein, and so the drugs are given intramuscularly, and the anesthesia works extremely poorly intramuscularly, Potassium chloride, almost not at all, but the neuromuscular blocking agent does work neuromuscularly. And so that's how you're dying in all those lethal injections where they stick the needle through the vein into the muscle or the tissue. You're dying from being frozen. You know, that's an interesting point because even if it wasn't an MD, somebody skilled in anatomy and physiology, uh, a basic scientist, somebody who works with animals, not even a vet, any of those people who in a slightly different capacity than a physician, but they would have the, the skill set to be able to insert a catheter into a vein in a living person. Sure. There are a, n- a number of people. I'm not, you know, there's many, many, many people who, who can tell the states how to do it correctly. I, I'm not in the position of telling states how to kill correctly. Certainly, though, there's no secret. Nobody's playing hide the ball. How hard would it be to find somebody that, that puts a needle in a vein every day to, to do this? How hard would it be to change to morphine 
where even if it's intramuscular, I, I don't really know the answer to this, but my guess is intramuscularly the morphine would still work. Will these challenges to lethal injection actually lead to the end of execution or just a different pathway, John? Well, it's hard to say where it's going. Certainly support for the death penalty has eroded. I think the major cause of that has been the recognition that many innocent people have been released from death row and the recognition for most people that innocent people must have been executed. But also the fact that it has become apparent to the public that what they think, their support for the death penalty, for a, major, for a large portion of people, their support for the death penalty is prefaced on the fact that executions are humane, and, now, and they know they're not humane. They involve unnecessary secret torture. And I say torture because the states have known of this for years and years and continue to do this complex, expensive, difficult method when they could simplify it. I don't think it is going to lead by itself to the abolition of the death penalty, whether we get there as a society eventually for a whole host of reasons. Perhaps we will, but at least it should lead to a more humane execution. I want to thank attorney John Sheldon, who's been our guest today, and we've been discussing lethal injection. I'm Dr. Shira Johnson. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMDXM 233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, as always, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. And thank you for listening.